Hey everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. This is Chris and it is so good to be with you here on the podcast today. I hope that wherever you are and whatever you're up to, that you are able to experience the presence of God, the nearness of God, and specifically uh, that you're able to enter into this space uh, that we're going to create here for the next few minutes. We're continuing our podcast series with a look at the questions that God asks. And today, we're going to be in 1 Kings 19, and God asks the question, what are you doing here? Uh, he asks Elijah this question, and this is a wild story, uh, one of my favorites. It's a very human story. So I'm going to read um, a somewhat long passage, uh, just you know, 15 or so verses, 18 verses or so, and then we'll pray, and then we're going to hold the question uh, that God asks, what are you doing here? Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. There he went to a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for your name, Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And he said, God did, in verse 11, Go out and stand on a mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, the sheer silence, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So the second time, Elijah answered, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel as king over Aram. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Elamathiah as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Haziel, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. And hear this. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear through a pretty intense passage of Scripture, God. I ask God that you would help us to understand the question that you ask. What are you doing here? And Lord, I pray that we would not only hear it for Elijah, but we'd hear it for ourselves, God. I believe you pose this similar question to us at various junctures through our lives, especially when we end up in places we don't want to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, what a rough passage of scripture. Jezebel, um, gosh, that is not a name you hear uh, given to kids these days. Uh, she is synonymous with bad news. Uh, she threatens in this passage to kill the prophet Elijah after he had performed a very mighty act. And so the story we have here is that 
Elijah had um, had begun a kind of courageous engagement with the prophets of Baal, this uh, sect of wickedness. And Jezebel's husband, Ahab, goes and reports back to Jezebel. Uh, she is uh, angry, she's furious, and she basically sends a messenger to him and says, like, you're going to be dead just like those guys you killed by this time tomorrow. So what happens to Elijah? He's terrified. And candidly, understandably terrified. The thing we see in this story is that he goes from a courageous, heroic, confident, trusting space before God where he's facing remarkable difficulty and he acts courageously to being terrified and knocked off of his mark through the words of Jezebel. She threatens him. She intimidates him. And rather than continuing in a posture of trust and confidence, he runs. He hides. He basically gives in to his fear, and he ends up in a cave, sleeping in the dark, damp, cold. And the picture that we're supposed to hold where this encounter, where God finds him and asks him this question, he actually asks him the same question twice. And interestingly enough, Elijah answers essentially in the same way twice. He demonstrates that he's stuck, which is so true, and there's something there for us. We'll, we'll reflect on it in a moment. God basically knows exactly how Elijah got to where he got to. He knows that he's intimidated and afraid. He knows that he had given in uh, after being brave. He now is acting out of a sense of fear and cowardice. But he asked the question anyway. And I find it so instructive that um, Elijah is actually hiding. Like he, he's actually intentionally obscuring himself so that he would not be found, but God finds him. I'm reminded of the uh, friends of Jesus hiding in the upper room after the crucifixion. God finds them, right? The Lord here finds Elijah. And when he does, he doesn't give him a talking to. He asks him a question first. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's the question God asks. What are you doing here? Now, God knows the facts. God knows why he's there. God was able to find him when no one else could, but he asked the question anyway. What are you doing here? How did you get into this spot? What brought you to this place in your life? See, that cave was emblematic of a place Elijah had ended in this space in his life, like a kind of metaphorical place. He'd ended, he had ended up in a bad spot. And the cave is just basically a visible, tangible expression of the state of Elijah's mind and soul and body. He's terrified. And so he ends up in a hole, <laughs> literally in a hole, a cave. God's inviting him in this moment to name how afraid he is. He's basically saying, how'd you get stuck? Do you know how you got stuck? What are you doing here? He's basically saying to Elijah, I know you're afraid. Do you know you're afraid? And do you know that your response to a fear stimulus has got you in a really bad spot? And I find it so interesting that after asking this question the first time, God then says to him, I want you to exit the cave and stand at the mouth of the cave. So he doesn't initially say, I want you to go all the way back, get your crap together. He basically says, I want you to get up and take a small step to get outside the hole you're in. And I want you to stand there. And it's in that space that God approaches him. He invites him into an experience of his presence. And I'm going to read it because it's just so beautiful. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, 
for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of sheer silence. And it's in that sheer silence that God speaks. Now, I think that's actually really instructive for Elijah because if he is afraid of Jezebel and he's afraid of her might and her power and her threat, he might have wanted God to show up in the earthquake and in the splitting of the rocks, in the big loud stuff. But it was only at the end when it was silent that God speaks to him. And what does God say? He asks him the same question. He says, what are you doing here? It's almost as if the Lord is wanting to get Elijah unstuck. Elijah has fled. God says, what are you doing here? Elijah says, I'm the only one. I've been faithful. No one else is faithful. And then God shows him his presence. And then he says, so what are you doing here? There are these junctures in our lives where we find ourselves stuck, where we find ourselves in a place, in a hole, in a spot that we don't want to be. Maybe that's where you are right now. I mean, I think uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that some of you listening to my voice right now, you're in your own kind of cave. And when we end up in a cave, right, in a circumstance we don't want to be in, responding to fear in a way that is embarrassing or isolating, the Lord looks at us and he says, what are you doing here? And he's not shaming you when he asks that question. He knows how you got to the posture and the place and the position that you're in, but he wants you to know what it is that got you there. He knows. He wants to know that you know. And so he asked the question two times. Two times in just a short encounter, God looks at Elijah and he says, what are you doing here? And I believe there's an invitation for you in this. As you look at your life and specifically the parts of your life that aren't your favorite or places where maybe you have responded to stimulus, you know, in a way that isn't the best. I mean, that's the truth, right? It's Elijah responded to negative stimulus. Negative stimulus just comes. It's a part of life. Like opposition is a part of life. The work of the enemy is 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 there. It's always a part of the, of the situation. Circumstances that go wrong. This is a part of the life that we live in the valley, this side of eternity. How we respond to that negative stimulus is really telling, though. And the interesting thing here is that we respond unevenly. That's just the facts. I mean, Elijah had recently really stood up for God and what was right with great courage. But in this instance, he caves in. He's afraid. He's intimidated. And when he gets off of his mark, when he gets knocked on his heels, the Lord looks at him and he says, how did you get here? Maybe right now you're stuck in some fear. Maybe you're stuck in some defensiveness. Maybe there are sin patterns in your life that you know are not God's best but you're just stuck in it. You're, you're like in your own cave. The Lord looks at you just like he looked at Elijah and with love in his heart, with a desire to get you back where you're supposed to be, he looks at you, he looks at me and he says, what are you doing here? And I just want you to hold that question before God. As you think about whatever it is that God brings to your mind, let him ask you the question, what are you doing here? The funny thing 
And I, I do mean it when I say it's the funny thing because it actually makes me laugh a little because it, it helps me understand the places where I become like a broken record, you know, where I'm stuck, is that Elijah basically, when God asks him the question the second time, he responds almost in exactly the same way. He's stuck. He's feeling sorry for himself. He's stuck in fear. He's like, I'm doing the right thing. Nobody else is doing the right thing. Jezebel is horrible. And I'm the only one doing the right thing. So what does God say? He says, I want you to go back. I want you to return on your way. And he says, you're not alone. There's something about that that I find so interesting. The Lord calls him back to where he was before he lost his mark. He says, you're not alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you're alone. Whatever it is, wherever you're stuck, whatever your cave looks like, the enemy wants you to think, oh, I'm in this all by myself. You're not. Neither am I. In my darkest moments, I was tempted to believe the lie that I was on my own. And I'm sure the same is true for you. And the truth of the matter is the word of the Lord to each and every one of us. When we begin to name our stuck places, the places where we've been knocked off our mark, the places where we're not where we want to be, is he just says, I want you to experience my nearness. And then I want you to go back. And you're not on your own. I pray God would bless you and keep you and watch over you as you answer the question he asks. Where are you? How'd you get here? God bless you. See you soon.